Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to Trina Talk. If you're listening, go out and subscribe to the show so that you won't miss an episode. My goal here with Trina Talk is to empower and impact people all around the world. So I need your help to do that. Go out and tell your friends, your family, and everyone you know to listen to Trina Talk. There's a new episode every Monday. Hey, welcome to episode 193. I titled this episode 14 Days in a Chinese Jail, and you're going to understand why I titled it such. My guest this week is Chancellor K. Jackson. Chancellor was born in Fulton County, Georgia. He attended Stetson University, and then after graduating with a bachelor's degree in communications and media studies, he went to live abroad in China from 2018 to 2019 to teach English to children. Now, Chancellor had a traumatic experience while in China. He was arrested and detained in Beijing for 14 days. He's the author of the book, 14 Days in Beijing, and some other books as well. But I think you're going to really find his story intriguing. So here it is. Hi, Chancellor. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hey, blessings and balance to you, Trina. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. I'm happy to have you on the show, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, you you have an interesting story. But before we get into the interview, I always ask my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the chancellor that you are today. Um, Chancellor is all in all, man, a great spirit, Um, very in tuned individual, um, compassionate as well as passionate, um, man, of great understanding, great patience. Um, is a great communicator, um, enlightener, motivator, um, leader, natural born leader. And Chancellor became this way just due to his journey. You know what I'm saying the best teaching life is your own experiences. So everything that we've been through is everything that we are, as well as preparation for what's in store. Wow. That's a, that's a great, great model, great um, explanation of life. Um, so let's kick it off. So I was looking at your, you know, bio you sent me and you have an interesting story. You wrote a book. So your book is 14 Days in Beijing. So tell us about your book and um, how did this get started? What's your story? Because I, I think you have you have more than one book, correct? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So uh, we'll get into the other book, but let's get into this one here. The 14 Days in Beijing. What is that all about? So pretty much 
uh, 14 Days of Beijing is an unforgettable story of a young American's uh, experience um, in a Chinese penitentiary, going through a Chinese penitentiary. So um, it's about a young man named Lucky Chance that lands his first job in China teaching English to children. And China's absolutely phenomenal, best experience he's ever had. And as time progresses, he's living his best life, getting more acclimated. Um, and the things are finally looking up. But things take a turn halfway through his journey. <clears throat> On April 4th, 2019, um, he is arrested and detained for drug charges. And nobody knows where. Nobody knows he has been arrested. No information has been explained to him as far as how the process works, what's next to come, or how long he will be there. Um, he's locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 people to one cell, nine wooden beds. And um, yeah, man, it's just a, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy story, for sure, for sure. But very enlightening, as well as entertaining at the same time. So... Is the story fiction or nonfiction? Based on a true story. Okay. So based, based on, on a, true, a true, story. true story, this is your experience, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, Absolutely. so you got to give us some context here. So you went to Beijing. Why were you in Beijing? And, and how did you get locked up? How did you get out? So all of those questions that are going through our minds right sure. now. So... I graduated from Stetson University in 2018 with a bachelor's degree in communication media studies. I landed my first job teaching English to children in China. Um, so that's how I ended up. That's how I got out there to Beijing. Um, China was absolutely amazing. Best experience I've ever <laughs> had in my life. Um, culture was different, but it will, you, could very, you could respect it. Definitely people were amazing. Food was fire. Um, I enjoyed working, teach kids. Kids were a blast, um, and meeting other foreigners as well. As long as, as well as you know, what I'm saying exploring China. I'm not from there, so it's like, yeah, it's, every day is an adventure. Um, so China was absolutely lit, and um, like I said before, um, April fourth, things take a turn. You know, what I'm saying, um, uh, at the apartment, it's a day off for me at my apartment. Um, finna get ready to slide to an event to kick it with some friends and colleagues, see what I'm saying, just hang out, have fun. But before I was going to get ready to go, I was like, I'm a pregame first. So I'm in my apartment, drink some Chinese liquor, smoke some cannabis in my little silver pipe. All right, finish, getting dressed, and then missing me getting ready, here knock at the door, three officers from the Beijing police. Um, instantly sick to my stomach, scrambled, put everything up, open the door, they answer, question me about drugs. Of course, I'm playing the fool. Like, I have no clue what they're talking about. Time progresses. Another officer enters the apartment. He has something in his hand. It's a drug test. They drug test me right there on the spot. I knew it was over with right then and there. Um, but, say, I'm from Atlanta. Live by the finesse, die by the finesse. So, do the drug test. Fail the drug test, of course. And now, uh, by this time, more officers have entered the apartment. And one of them speaks English, in particular. And he's pretty much questioning me about failing the drug test and where I get the weed from, if I had any more, and just if I, can, if I was willing to give him any uh, viable information as far as the source. So 
I'm sh- shooting the shit with him going back and forth. Once he realized that I wasn't going to give him anything he could work with, they pretty much just made it clear uh, that I'm just caught red-handed. The charade is up. And I'm like, okay, for sure. Like I said, from Atlanta, I live by the finesse, die by the finesse. I'm down by finesse this time. I live to finesse another day. Now I just got to hold myself accountable. For sure, it is what it is. Um, so, okay, on up to it, confiscate everything. Uh, throw me a handcuff, send me down in the uh, police van. And now I'm just reflecting on everything that's just taking place and just really living in the moment. Like, just. I'm really, I really haven't, I'm just lost for words, honestly, just replaying everything and just, you know what I'm saying, just reflecting. And uh, we get to one precinct. I'm there briefly. I'm just sitting down waiting, really. <laughs> and then they come back and get me like 30 minutes later. We get back in the van. I don't know where we're going, what, what's happening next. They're not communicating anything to me. And I'm definitely not asking no questions. So communication is not existing. We end up at another precinct. This one's a lot bigger and has holding cells. So this is where I'm housed for the the remainder of, uh, of the day. And as the second precinct, I'm here for about 14 hours straight. And I do my official interrogation, which is dramatic in the book because they take me to the basement of the precinct to do it. And they lock me into this metal chair. <laughs> it looks like an electric chair, but it's all metal. And they lock me into it to do the interrogation. Um, but by that time, I had plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse him with. So that was, you know what I'm saying, a pretty smooth process, aside from being restrained. <laughs> but do that, do the uh, interrogation, my handprint mugshot. Um back into the I'm back in the holding cell, just reflecting on everything. Um, my high is coming down. So now I'm, you know what I'm saying, fading in and out of consciousness. And then time progresses, and they finally call me out of the cell. And we walk back to the lobby, and they bring my best clothes, and me get dressed. I'm like, okay, cool. Bet everything worked out. You know what I'm saying? I was compliant for sure. So I'm dressed. I'm sitting there waiting, and they had me follow them through a door that's behind the uh, the front desk. So we enter, we enter the door, and now we're in the hallway. At the end of the hallway, it's a small room crowded with officers. So we're making our way to the room as we enter. I can only assume that this is some form of edit, evidence room because it's just evidence bags everywhere. Shells piled, piles on piles. So um, in front of me is a table, right side of the table for uh, monitors, TV monitors, where they watch the uh, footage from the officer's body cameras. On the left side of the table is everything that's confiscated from my apartment. So this is an interesting uh, part of the book just because as a reader, your kids, okay, how much weed did he actually have on him? You get to learn how much I uh, have as well. Like I said, I didn't receive any information since throughout this entire process. Um, so with that being said, I was on the left. I was left to use my own devices and the universe and my ancestors delivered a bunch of signs and messages to me throughout the course of the story in regards to how long I will supposedly end up serving. So. They take the weed, they weigh it up right in front of me. It totals out to be 1.4 grams. So those that uh, partake in cannabis, you know 1.4 grams isn't a lot. If you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything isn't a lot. So you can, you know what I'm saying? I ain't really have nothing on me for real. Um, but also look at that number, 1.4. It's a decimal. If you remove that decimal, what number do you get? Mm. 
Yeah. And hence the, hence the title of the book. So that was the very first message, the very first sign I received from the, you know what I'm saying, the hmm. universe in regards to potentially how long I would have to serve. So they put everything on paper, had me sign, thumbprint, and now we get back in the van. I'm like, okay, I done did everything y'all wanted me to do, been compliant. You know what I'm saying? So I've been positive. There's no way they're not taking me home. So it's about one o'clock in the morning. We just riding, riding, riding. About 30 minutes pass, and we arrive at this facility with tall walls and barbed wire. And I was just like, it's like, yeah, but I'm just, this shit just getting started. <laughs> it's just getting started. So we enter the facility, walk straight to the nurse's office, do the quick little physical. Uh, give me my uniform, put all my stuff in the storage room. Then they take me upstairs to the mental house. You get to cell 209. Mine is like four o'clock in the morning. They just points. He opens a, a CO opens the door. And instantly I see two inmates wide awake standing up against the wall with their backs against the wall, watching the rest of the inmates that are asleep. And all the inmates that are asleep are like huddled. Like it looked like a slumber party. That's how I describe it in the book. Um, so of course with the two inmates being wide awake and I'm being awake, we make eye contact. The last thing they expected to become walking through this door was a man of color with locks. So they just looking at me crazy and I'm looking at them crazy. Like, why are y'all watching these people sleep? Like what's going on in here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we just got this awkward moment of just eye contact. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what's going on here? So I entered the cell, um, just scoping the place out. Uh, it's a window in the back. It's, it's, it's cell is not big. It's a big rectangle. The lengthiest part of the cell is literally from the floor to the ceiling. Like, uh, even if you had a 40-inch vertical and you were standing on the bunks, you still couldn't touch the ceiling. Like, wow. that's the lengthiest part of the cell. So it's just just enough to house the people that are in there. So I do a head count. It's 15 of us in the cell. Hmm. I just count, you know what I'm saying? I count the beds, which are wooden number, wooden bunks, wooden planks. It's nine beds. That's why I look like a slumber party. Like when back in the day, when mm. you sleep over with your friends and cousins, and let me, hey, we got to make, hey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it's, it's these random grown men. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. So it's like, okay. So to the left of the in the cells, uh, the bathroom. It's on separate room. But all the walls are made of glass, so everybody can see inside. It's a sink. The toilet is a squat toilet, a hole in the ground that you squat over essentially, and um, the shower ain't number the water holes with a shower head tied to it. Black mold coats the walls, flies and gnats flying around. It's not the most sanitary place. You know what I'm saying? With that being said. So I approached the slumber party, trying to find a spot to lie down. And uh, one of the inmates that was taking watch, wake two of them up, and they made room. So I lie down on my back with my hands on my chest. I'm just staring up at the ceiling, bright-ass light on the ceiling. Just like, that's when everything set in stone. Like, all right, this is real. Like, I'm locked up here. I don't know what's going on, how this process works, how long I'm going to be here. Nobody knows I'm here. It's not looking too good. <laughs> it's not looking too good. But all in all, I got to hold myself accountable. You mm. know what I'm saying? I got to hold myself accountable. Ain't nobody to blame but me. So it is what it is. I got to take this to the chin for sure. Um, Women of color in tech feel excluded, isolated, and treated as though they are invisible. We have to work twice as hard and be twice as good to get noticed. I help women of color in tech get past imposter syndrome, navigate the obstacles in the tech workplace, and advance in their careers by being confident, showing up authentically, 
and negotiating the pay and promotions they deserve so that they can represent and remain in tech. If you are a woman of color in tech and you're ready to take command of your career path, then Tech Trifecta is for you. It's my private coaching program and is now open. Enroll today at tlmintl.link forward slash tech trifecta. First thing, most of, I know I'm going to be good when it's all said and done. Despite how ugly it seems right now, I know I'm going to be good. Um, just stay positive. Take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once it's all said and done. Um, and now, you know what I'm saying, just moving forward, what needs to take place for people to start, know that I'm missing, or at least know that I'm in here. So, mm-hmm. like, okay, what needs to take place? All right. Well, I was supposed to attend that event earlier today that I didn't show up to. Mm-hmm. And I told, you know what I'm saying, my partners and all my friends I was going to be there. So I'm sure it was weird that I didn't show up, and I'm sure they called me and I didn't answer. Is that a red flag? Nah. But... You know what I'm saying? It is definitely a yellow one. <laughs> you feel right, me? Right. So I'm like, all right. Now, when I, I got the day off tomorrow, now come Saturday, when I don't show up for my 8 o'clock, uh, eight o'clock class, all hell is breaking loose. Because one, they got to find somebody to cover my class last minute. And then two, one of the people I was going to meet up with at the event, I work with her, you know what I'm saying, in the same school. So she mm-hmm. going, you know what I'm saying? She going to be like, okay, bet something wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like he ain't show up to the event. We called him. He ain't answer. Now he uh, he ain't at work, and we call him. He still ain't answer. Oh yeah, something wrong. Red flag. Boom. All right. In addition to that, I had a girlfriend back uh back in America at the time. I'm like, when I don't respond to two of her messages, another flag. So I know I'm gonna have to at least wait through the weekend before I become missing on people's radar. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm saying? With that being said, hey, hey, you know what I'm saying? We got to do this step by step, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't know what's going on. So we just try to make sense of it ourselves. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, 15 people in one cell, nine wooden beds. All I had for those 14 days straight was one plastic bowl and one plastic spoon. Mm. Okay, so <clears throat> how did they know you had the weed? That's still a mystery to this day. <laughs> I get asked, like, what made them show up to you? I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. Because this wasn't, mind you, this wasn't the first time. This wasn't my first time smoking in China. I've been smoking in China pretty much the whole time I've been out there. You know what I'm saying? So I honestly don't know <laughs> what possessed them to knock on my door just randomly. Randomly. So I, and I Do you think no neighbors said anything? Because, you know. I've traveled the world and because I was in the military and I've stayed in different countries. So, I mean, did you, when you arrived there, did anybody give you a back brief of like what to do, what not to do? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they definitely went through all of that, but like, shit, I still decided to do what I did. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that was it. When everything popped off and hit the fan, I ain't got nobody to, <laughs> it's, I, yeah. for sure. It is what it is. So <laughs> it is what it is. So what did you learn through this process? Because, you know, you know, on the show, I like to give people things to mm. to take away and yeah. to chew on. So you, you basically, you know, cause so you, you smoke weed, you admitted it to them, they took you away, but through all of this, I mean, what did mm. you learn? Because 
I mean, I've seen locked up abroad, and like I said, I've traveled yeah. to foreign countries, and that's the last thing I've. I'm always scared of, <laughs> like doing yeah. something where I'm like, oh, I got to go to jail in a foreign country because yeah, it's not like you know, it's not like here where you get the one phone call, you can call somebody and have somebody come down and get you. It's, it's totally different. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, what were you thinking through all of this, and what did you learn from this? Um, I mean, definitely do your research before you travel in the country. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But most importantly, it wasn't, it really had nothing to do with the cannabis or, you know what I'm saying, none of that. Because it's like, that doesn't, you know what I'm saying, that doesn't impair me from doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. It was really just an opportunity for me to f- sit down and truly focus and reevaluate everything mm-hmm. of what I truly wanted. Here I am, I'm a college graduate, fresh college graduate. Give you a more backstory on how I even got that job in China. My football, I play football. As you can see my jerseys hanging up in the background. I played football basketball in my life. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when football was, in, I didn't have no plan, be none of that. So when football came to the end, Chancellor, who are you? What's next? Mm-hmm. What do you want out of life? What do you like to do? What's your purpose? Mm-hmm. I can't answer none of these questions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I got to try a bunch of different stuff to start figuring it out because I have no clue. So. I was just applying for jobs, applying for jobs, applying for jobs. You know what I'm saying? Landing interviews, getting flown out, all, you know what I'm saying? All this, that, but getting told no. Getting told no. And I did this for eight months straight. I done graduated. I'm back home. Still ain't got no jobs. You know what I'm saying? I done did everything right. Textbook, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Went to college and, you know, got the degree, all that. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, shit, it still ain't shaking the way that, you know what I'm saying? I thought it was supposed to shake. So then I just so happened, you know what I'm saying? I, come across the opportunity to teach in China, apply, and I actually get a job. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. was teaching something that I thought, hey, hell no. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? That wasn't nothing. Like, well, you couldn't even tell. You couldn't tell me I was going to be teaching. You know, <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? I'm just hungry and ambitious. You know, so I'm willing to try anything at this point. So that's how I got that. And then I'm living my best. It still was great. I was, I'm good at teaching. You know what I'm saying? I found a hidden talent in it. So mm-hmm. it's definitely, I gained a lot from it. And, but, Definitely having that time to just sit down mm-hmm. with our, us and our everyday lives and all the stuff that we have to deal with. And, you know, what I'm when have you had a good portion of time to sh- truly just sit down and reflect and reevaluate? And that's it solely. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking for 30 minutes or five minutes. No, I'm talking about 72 hours. Mm-hmm. First three days in China, the first three days in Beijing just six, I was the only English speaker, only foreigner. Mm. And communication was pretty much non-existent unless somebody is asking me questions about weed. So if it <laughs> ain't, ain't that, then I'm not getting talked to. So it's like, so it's like, I'm really just to myself. They got a TV in the cell. It, it's we in China. I can't comprehend. I don't know what they are. So it's like, I'm really, I got a spoon in a bowl. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the only thing that I have. I'm here. Mm. I'm here. For, Three whole days. Nobody gets that amount of time in the, our everyday lives to so just right. truly self You know what I'm saying? When it, and then from that point moving forward, me getting out and then um, now I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm back in the free world. And I was okay. I was pretty much game. I was game planning while I was in there. Did I have it all figured out? Absolutely not. But I got an idea at least. And mm-hmm. from that, we can make some shake and it's, it's been like a snowball effect to where I am now. So that's what I really learned. You know what I'm saying? Myself. Who am I? What do I like? What do I want to like? What's going to be my, what's my purpose? 
So a lot of people can't even ask. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. So after those 14 days, I mean, so they just let you go. Did people realize that you were missing? How did how did your release happen? Your number get called. I was just they just come on. Huh. So what is like they got tired of you being there? So they were like, you can go. I mean, it's a process that takes place, but like nothing is explained to me. I don't know what's going on as you and you'll see that as you read the book. You know, you have to learn as you go. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the story so great. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you I did 14 days. Mm-hmm. And like they told me, yeah, you got 14. Nah. Yeah. I had no clue. I was just sitting. Wow. So you've done your reflection. Um, you've had those 72 hours. You've had 14 days. So who yeah. who is Chancellor as a result of that? Um, Chancellor is everything that I listed at the very beginning of the show, those traits and those characteristics for sure. Um, but now with just more actual, like professional titles, the educator, coach, athletic coach, and life coach, um, author, bestseller author. In addition to that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying? I got a car rental service, um, and we just gonna continue to build off of that. You know what I'm saying? Running a couple of marathons, trying to get established. So sure. before, so before that, like you were saying, you were saying you didn't know basically who you were, what you wanted out of life, what your purpose was. Um. So what what is something that you can tell the listeners that they could take in their life that you learned aside from the you know do your research mm-hmm. before you travel to yeah, another yeah, country? Yeah. For sure. Um, it's just, it's just, it's really, you know what I'm saying? It's like any success story or, um, you know what I'm saying? Anything like that is whatever you choose to do in life, um, whatever you aspire to be, no, it ain't going to come easy. Nothing in life will come easy. Um, you will face adversity. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. You will face adversity, but adversity introduces a man to himself. Mm-hmm. Or a woman to herself, long-winded, running through this life like it was mine, mm-hmm. never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the path to my own success or self-destruction. But what's a mistake without the lesson? Mm-hmm. The best teacher in life is your own experience. None of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Mm. Makes good sense. I mean, that's very, um, very profound, especially um, for you to realize that because sometimes people go through things and they don't get the lesson out of it. They just go through it. A lot of people don't know themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So that's first and foremost, you got to learn yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. And like you said, sometimes it takes that hard knock for you to learn yourself and to really reflect inward and to discover or learn who you are. So my next question for you is, as you were going through those days, how did you go through it? How, what what made you strong and resilient to know that because you like you say you didn't know anything you didn't know mm. how long you were going to be there what so what were you telling yourself 
to say, okay, you know what, whatever the situation brings, I can make it. Or did you say that? Or were you worried? What was your mindset? Um, definitely positive throughout the entire thing. Um, uh, spiritual, without a doubt, prayed a lot to my ancestors. And after the third day, I moved, I got moved to another cell and I was immersed with other English, two other English speakers. Mm. So from that, that's when the whole story shifts because now we can start connecting all these dots that we had, you know what I'm saying? We had no clue about beforehand, mm. you know what I'm saying? Because we had, you know what I'm saying? Nothing was explained. So with these two other English speakers that know the process and know their sentences and, you know what I'm saying, have been explained <laughs> everything too. So it's like, okay, I got to, you know what I'm saying, ask them what they think and, you know what I'm saying, the information they've been told and we can formulate an idea, but still all in all, I have no clue. Y'all just no. can gain an understanding of how everything works, but how long will I be here? And the clock on the wall only tell. Now, were you the only American there in, in the jail? Well, the second cell, um, no, nah, I was with a Chinese American from California and a Brazilian from Brazil. Huh. But it was other, it's other Americans. There's it a, it a lot of foreigners in this jail. Um, you got folks from Africa, folks from South, uh, Central America, <laughs> Europe. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bunch of, it was folks from everywhere in there. So, do you think? corruption played a part in that then you know maybe they were targeting you because you were the foreigner and maybe you know who knows maybe a neighbor said you know it's doing drugs and this was um, you know their master know. plan i don't know i don't even know i look at it as here i am as a a, a, a young boy from atlanta <laughs> moving like a young boy from atlanta in a foreign land mm-hmm. here i am a foreigner moving like a native from mm-hmm. my, like how I would back home and someplace mm-hmm. that I have no foundation at all. Mm-hmm. I'm violating. Wow. I'm violating. All the others, man, that's not a, it's not here nor there. And then it's a communist country on top of that. <laughs> so it's like, ain't no sitting explaining. Right. They have a saying, there's no why in China. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We true. we always need it. Ain't no why in China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like for sure. I I'm already know. I, at least I got an idea of how this thing can go. So I'm just you know what I'm saying. I'm just gonna be cool and yeah. You know what I'm saying. Wow. Be compliant. So, so when they let you go, did they tell you like you could never come back to China again? Did they give you those kind of stipulations? What what one? Yeah. On? So after I was released, they took me straight to my apartment to pack up the rest of my stuff, and then straight to the airport where I was deported from the country. All within wow. like six hours of being released. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they got me up out of there. And then yes, that's when they told at the airport. That's when they told me I was uh, banned for five years and all this, that, and the other. Wow. Uh, all, all in all, it, it doesn't follow me anywhere. If I didn't write this book, nobody would even. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a thing. So right. Right. So, yeah, so it's, it's a great story, but what made you what made you say, you know what, I'm going to write this book? And when did you realize you were going to do a book? Was it much later after getting home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know I, it's like it's story crazy. I, I got to do. I ain't go through this for no reason. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. I'm going to do something with it. What am I going to do with it? I have no clue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't to like July. I was chilling with one of my uh, partners, and uh, he's a, 
published. He was published. Uh, he's in the uh, he's a published author, and he's been published since uh like I seen your high school. You know what I'm saying? So, um, he was the one that was like, "Hey, you should write a book about it." I'm like, it's like a big light bulb. I'm like, "Boy, that's a good idea for mm-hmm. sure. I could do that." How? What? Like, where do I start? I have no clue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's a great idea. And he threw me another alley oop. Took my phone with in my notes. Gave me a little outline, just five letters, very brief. And I just started filling it in on my phone. Mm. And then once I realized it was getting lengthy, I moved it from my phone to a Google Doc. And then four months later, the whole thing was written. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, you know what I'm saying? It was published. Mm, nice. So now you have another book. It, and yeah. this one is your first book, correct? The 14 Days? Yeah, fortunately, yeah. Okay, so talk briefly about your other book. What's your other book about? So the other book is titled You Love and You Learn. Um, it's a part of the series. Is It piggybacks off of 14 Days. Um, and it's pretty much another, it's based on another true story. Um, but all in all, is essentially just a man's first step and gaining emotional intelligence, essentially. You know what I'm saying? So um takes place well with me in college and me like I said I had a girlfriend at the time so that's what that book because a lot of <laughs> audience members was asking like okay you talk about the girlfriend about a lot mm-hmm. within the book or like throughout the book but you don't talk to her at all and then when she released that's all you know what I'm saying that's the end of the story so you know what I'm saying it was like what happened with the girl how that play out so this was what it's you know what I'm saying inspired the um one of the things that inspired the romance novel. So mm-hmm. essentially that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Just more backstory mm-hmm. on the crazy story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. whole different story um, completely. Uh, but still very, very great read. Very juicy. Um, romantical. All of that. So before all of this, did you ever want to be a writer? I played football and that's the only thing I cared about so it was like what no and I ain't even had to really write for real and it's coming up like especially high school I ain't even had to write for real so once I got to college it was a I'm a communication major that ain't nothing but writing so it was was a rude awakening once I got to college I was like oh no (laughs) I'm behind (laughs) (laughs) so but all in all writing was cool in college but these are assignments that I'm doing. We got to write on a specific topic that the professor wants. You know what I'm saying? There ain't really mm-hmm. nothing I can really get, be truly, truly mine and be free with. Um, so I never really enjoyed writing or cared for it. Mm-hmm. With that being said, it wasn't until I was able to just truly just tell the story, uh, just my own story, and just do what I want, tell it how I want to tell it. Right. My full creativity and how I want to go about um, doing this. So, that's what I enjoy most about it. Yeah. And it's, it, it was dope. And as well as therapeutic. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel like writing is a great form of therapy that, you know what I'm saying, not everybody does, but should do. For sure, for sure. Right. Journal. Definitely oh, just, yeah. you know what I'm saying, releasing your thoughts and all of that. Um, just letting letting it go. Letting everything you bottle up go. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I am. Um... I journal. I know a lot of people say they journal every night, every day, whatever. I I don't do it, but I journal when I have a lot of stuff going in my mind. Mm-hmm. I go ahead and release it. And like you, you know, I wrote a book. It's something that I hadn't planned on doing, but life experience um, <laughs> made me decide to write that book. Um, yeah, and it seems like you're on a roll. So you got. It seems like you're doing a series of 
stories here. Yeah. So yeah. what's what's your uh what's your vision? <clears throat> all in all, just to continue to live my best life, um continue to grow as a professional, um travel a lot and just write about my life experiences and just what I was able to gain from them as well as turn all these books and these stories into films, most importantly, definitely. Um, you know what I'm saying? They could be films, they could be TV show series, documentaries. It don't make me no difference. <laughs> we can get this on, on the big screen for sure. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Just continue to just, you know what I'm saying? Just aspire, aspire mm-hmm. and motivate, uplift. And you know what I'm saying? Just be that breath of fresh air that a lot of us need. So do you think you're living your purpose? Absolutely. Football was just a dream that I was, I thought football was a purpose. No, that was just a dream I was chasing. Okay. And it makes me pose this question, which everybody, and this goes for everybody that's listening, where you are right now, um, doing what you're doing on your journey. Are you chasing a dream? Or are you fulfilling your purpose? Hmm. And so, in your opinion, what's the difference? Like, for me, football was a dream that I was chasing. Playing in the league, you know what I'm saying? The NFL, making all the fame and the fortune, all those riches to change not only my life, those around those around me as well, mm-hmm. lives. And, you know what I'm saying? Inspire, just That would be the platform I would be on mm-hmm. to do exactly what I, I'm doing now. It was like, nah, that, that, that. That wasn't it. And see, you know what I'm saying? This is the purpose for show show. Exactly what you envisioned. Like you wanted to do just with the power you would be able you be in your possession. But that's just a dream. You know what I'm saying? It's a, you're gonna get all of that. You still gonna have all of that, but it's gonna be in a whole completely different lane than what you think it will be. Um so yeah, man, just trust the process. Trust God, trust the process. And Keep running your marathon. Stay 10 toes down. Show. Okay. So we're getting ready to hit into the questions. So you ready? Let's do it. All right. Who or what motivates you? Uh, Me, Nipsey, my mama, Mm -hmm. family, friends. Okay. What demotivates you? demotivates me um t- t- lack of productivity mm. okay when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you but it worked out for your good 14 days of Beijing mm-hmm. what is your fear not reaching my fullest potential is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Mm. I had done something. You said that I had done and I wish I didn't? Yes. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, everything, you know what I'm saying? Took everything happened for you. No. Okay, so here's the other one Is there a time that you wish you had not done something 
Um, I won't say I wish I didn't. I would just like I'll just be curious to see like if I did if I wasn't smoking in China like and I did my whole calendar contract year, what would life would have been? What would life be like after a full year in China? Through the pandemic, all of that. Like what where would I be? All of that. I'll just be curious just to see, honestly. Not mm-hmm. something that I wish to go back. No, I just we could just open up like a little flashback tunnel right here, a little mm-hmm. visual just for me to see. Okay, man. Okay, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know what I'm saying? That's that, that's about it. Okay. What is your definition of success? Loving what you do. How do you recharge? My good energy, you know what I'm saying? Good, like uh, from the loved ones. Good energy, good music, good vibes. You got some some cannabis in the air. You got some drinks going, food. Everybody just power on. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. You can just unwind truly. You know what I'm saying? Unwind truly. And we're going to definitely reflect and reevaluate while we get faded as well. We're going to tap in. For sure, for sure. What are you awesome at? Man. Inspiring people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And enlightening people. Um, tapping brains, for sure, for sure. Talk to mm. people a lot and just, I can just tell, <clears throat> they not they didn't expect <clears throat> for me to deliver the message that, message that I do deliver to speak to the way that I do speak. And I can just tell they walk away like stinking differently after conversing with me, for sure, for sure. So definitely just tapping brains, man. And I'm very good at naturally. I don't even try. People open up to me. Mm-hmm. I just feel compelled to. You know what I'm saying? I just my energy and my spirit, for sure. What legacy do you want to leave? Man, one of the one of the members of my tribe to shift the paradigm within our family tree and dynamic and culture and um, history, truly. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Okay. Well, Chancellor, tell the listeners if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to get your books, tell them how they can do that. For sure, for sure. Um, 14 Days of Beijing, You Love and You Learn, Amazon.com. Um, <clears throat> also, I have a free version of 14 Days on Amazon and Apple Books, Kobo, stuff like and other book platforms. And the free version of 14 Days <clears throat> is essentially the first few chapters of the book. You get your feet wet, you know what I'm saying, before you dive straight into the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, all that's available on Amazon. You can pick those up there. Also, my website, ChancellorKJackson.com. Um, you can order the copies of my website as well. And that way I can sign it for you and personalize it. Because if you order from Amazon and you live in Phoenix, then I don't, uh, it's just going to be, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get the copies and that's just going to be it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but, so, yeah, you can, my website, Amazon, um, as far as social media platforms, man, just Google Chancellor K. Jackson. Okay. Google my name, everything will pop up. Other interviews I've done will pop up. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Chancellor, I thank you for being on Trina Talk. It's been great. I, I loved your 
your story and our conversation. So um, we'll have to have you back again later when you get your next book out. For sure, for sure. I appreciate you. I want to thank my guests for being on the show and I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to tune in next week.